Coming up, we got Lindsey Crosby of Locked On Podcast Network, who's our Locked On MLB Prospects guide to talk about Corbin Carroll's debut, the top five prospects in the D-backs organization after Carroll's promotion. When is Jordan Lawler going to be promoted? And so much more on today's podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just follow me on my show account by looking up Locked on Dimebacks in that little search bar, Twitter, Instagram, we're on everything. We're also on YouTube, so check us out on there as well, Locked on Dimebacks. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But without further ado, we're here to talk about prospects the future and there's nobody better to do that with in the podcasting network in the entire world than Lindsay crosby of locked on mlb prospects let me take my name away so we can see your beautiful name Lindsay. how are you doing today sir i'm doing well it's been a wild week a lot of stuff's happening in minor league baseball this week but it's been a good one yeah minor league baseball you know it's september so this is another busy time for you because all these young prospects are going to start to get called up and we mm-hmm. saw the d-backs kind of start this train this past week because they called up the number three prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB.com. Some other websites have him number one. I like those websites a little bit more that have him number one. And he's here. And Lindsay, if you've seen him, first impressions, but I first want to know, is it the right time to call up Corbin Carroll? Yes, there is no more valuable uh, time period than right now. That that one-month stretch where, apologize for this, but like this, there's no stakes. You know, you're not in danger of losing a wild card or a division spot if you drop some games. You can bring guys up and see what they look like against big league pitching uh, in that environment and then what they need to work on over the the fall break. And honestly, Corbin Carroll has looked pretty good in the games that I've watched so far. Yeah, and I've heard people make the argument like, let's just bring him up next season because this season doesn't really matter. The games are meaningless. Let's bring him up next year when we have a chance to win and compete. But I agree with what you just said. Like, let him take take his lumps now. Like, if Corbin Carroll gets called up and he struggles, you know, to start his major league career, like, I'd rather rather that be in a season where we're not really working toward the postseason. Like, the D-backs are trying to win games here, but we're pretty much out the wild card race. So, I would rather him come take his lumps now, see what he has to make an adjustment for, and then have the whole offense offseason after getting a taste of major league pitching to see what he has to do and improve on his game for next season because like you said you look at those minor league numbers and they're insane Lindsay like what he was able to do in the minor leagues was phenomenal and I want to know like do you think playing in Reno a place where people have considered it like a higher elevation place do you think any of his numbers are like inflated or do you think what we get from Corbin Carroll statistically is going to translate to the major league level so most of his hits in Reno you know when you're in elevation, you're in a drier climate like that with the humidor. The main thing is like how far does the ball carry? 
mm-hmm. from what I understand, from what I've seen, a lot of his home runs would have been home runs in big league parks. For the record, that double in Philly would have been a home run in like 28 of 30 ballparks. That was, he was robbed. Dead center, dude. Yeah, like just straight away. Again, 28 of 30 ballparks that have been gone. But that's insane. There in Reno, like most of what he did translates over as far as if it was not at elevation, if it was in a traditionally sized and temperate ballpark, that all would have still counted. So 287, 408, 535, and 33 games. Uh, ridiculous um it just ca- kind of showed he went double a triple a to the majors and he's just consistently carried all the way through and what do you think his biggest skill or strength is when he's coming to the major league level because just watching him i think the thing that i noticed the most from watching the game so far is the freaking speed he has like i know everyone talked about his sprint speed when he got called up and it's mm-hmm. legit like the the d-backs are just posting videos of him rounding the bases because just the way he looks when he's running he just looks like he's running harder than everybody else then he's also short so his legs are just moving quicker than everybody else he's like kyler murray basically but on the mlb (laughs) baseball field so what do you think his biggest strength is that he's bringing to the major league level so like you said speed is as advertised um he hasn't really had a chance to make more than like one or two plays in the outfield so i can't really talk Mm -hmm. to the defense but i've noticed that offensively He's been making quality contact. And the big thing that we always look for when a prospect moves up to the major league level is against that higher level of pitching. How are you going to handle the elite spin? And how are you going to handle the elite velocity? Because the guys you face in the minor leagues don't always give you that same sort of challenge. He's had very good, like very high quality um, at bats that I've seen so far. He's not, he's not overly chasing pitches. He's making good contact. So Like that's something that not every prospect picks up right away. And that's the big reason I always advocate for that little window at the end of the season is so you can see like, so they can get a real glimpse of what a hundred miles an hour on the black looks like, or what that slider breaking away looks like. So they can go work on it. And he's just taking them and hitting them dead, you know, dead center in Philly. So, I mean, that's what's, what's impressed me the most so far. Yeah. I think I really, because that first game in his debut, he strolled up with the tie, the tie game, 7-7. Seven, seven. I keep saying, I keep wanting to say tie-tie game. It was a 7-7 seven, seven tie ball game, and he strolled up, and he did exactly what he just said. He went the opposite way, perfectly executed base hit, and he wasn't trying to do too much with it. He wasn't trying to pull it down the line for a home run or do anything crazy at the plate. He just took what the pitcher gave him, and he just slapped it the other way and found that alley, found the grass in between the two outfielders. So Corbin Carroll so far, I think, has been really impressive, and I like where do you think he fits in the lineup? Do you see Corbin Carroll as more of the top of the lineup kind of guy, as a table setter because of that speed? Or do you see him as more of a middle of the order bat? Because he's also a guy that has a little bit over the fence power, that gap power, and seems like just a great overall contact hitter. So maybe he should be an RBI producer for you. I'm not making a comp, but the way that I want to see Corbin Carroll use is kind of like the Braves use Ronald Acuna. Put him in leadoff because uh, yes, he can make things happen when he gets on base. He can steal bases. He's very fast, but uh, he has the the power potential. And so put a pitcher on notice from pitch one. You have to hit your spots. You have to be on your game because this dude can put the ball out with one swing. So I think you should lead him off. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he's probably batting third or fourth or fifth. But in the modern game, the way that they play it now, Put him at leadoff, um, you know, and just get, just leave it open. Let him do what he needs to do to get on base. He may swing for power. He may go for contact. Let him handle his own game, but bat him leadoff. 
Okay, I don't I don't mind that. I like that comp for Ronald Acuna in terms of how the Braves utilize him because we've even seen the Red Sox and Dodgers do that with a guy like Mookie Betts, who we know has power and speed, but you make him the table setter at the top because of how good he is at getting on base and he can start the game off with a leadoff home run and then all of a sudden you got a lead. So I wouldn't mind that for Corbin Carroll as well. Um, I think leadoff would be interesting. I would just want to know who's hitting behind him, who's number two, because I think the D-backs just have so many options when it comes to their lineup. It could be Dalton Varsho, it could be Ketel Marte, it could be a Josh Rojas. Like, there are just so many options. And then, of course, over the next couple of years, you have guys like Jordan Lawler and Drew Jones coming up. Like, the D-backs options are just going to be so crazy in a few years. And I just want to ask you, oh, what do you want to say, Lindsay? I was going to like. I was going to absolutely agree with you. This, And we talked about it last time we were on here. Like, I think this might be the best one through nine in baseball in just a couple of years. Um, I mean, I guess like just from real briefly thinking about it, uh, you would do, if you did Carol, I could see doing like a Carol, then a Rojas uh, when he was hitting a kettle Marte and a Christian Walker as a one through four. That's pretty healthy. <laughs> I mean, that that's a pretty dangerous one through four right there. Yeah, and then you're still going to have guys like Varsho and Carson Kelly and Emmanuel Rivera. Like, I don't know the ceiling for Emmanuel Rivera, but so far what he's done in a D-backs uniform, like he's displayed a lot of power. And Varsho's still going to be a guy that gets you close to 20 to 25 home runs with some speed as well. And Carson Kelly, I mean, it hasn't been a great season for him, but since coming back from injury, he's been a lot better than he was the first month and a half, two months of the season. I should have put my phone on Do Not Disturb. I don't know if you saw that. I just got like a FaceTime in the middle of this. Hold on. Let me make sure my computer's on Do Not Disturb. My little sister, you know, first ASU game of the year. So she's out there. She's trying to hang out after. I'm like, little sis, I'm in the middle of a podcast. We can't Jeez. talk right now. But yeah, for the D-backs, like you just mentioned, because uh, you kind of led into my next question that I was going to ask you. Because like if the D-backs just stand pat in terms of internal development, like they're not out there to make trades. They're not out there to sign players in free agency. They just say, hey, over the next three to four years i just stand pat and just build our team through internal development do they have the pieces the young guys on both the mlb level and the minor league level to just build a playoff team through that kind of variation lindsey crosby will answer that question by first have a question for you are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned what's the worst that can happen you end up driving below the speed limit it's no big deal right Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. I think you do, depending on how long it takes Drew Jones to get to the big league level. And obviously out right now with the shoulder injury, such a fluke injury that seems to always happen to your first your first draft pick. Yeah. But but like just looking at, okay, look at the outfield, for instance. Like right now, you've got Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, uh, Dalton Varsho. Okay, well, you also have Stone Garrett, you know, I've got Jake McCarthy. I've got notes on all these guys for later. Yeah. You know, infield, you've got all the way around the diamond with the Christian Walker, Kettle Marte, Josh Rojas, we, you know, Jordan Lawler coming up at some point in time. You still have Perdomo. You have Rivera. Like, you have the pieces to build it just now, never mind who you can bring it in free agency. Um, and then the guys who would be coming up, if they're going to replace one of these guys, it has to be somebody very, very good. I would be a little bit nervous if I was on the farm 
um, for the Diamondbacks thinking, okay, like, yeah, I have to finish developing and I have to find a way to get into this lineup. Yeah. And considering like how many players they have, like specifically in the outfield, like, would you actually just try to package some of these guys that they have and maybe try to, you know, in a couple of years, maybe move them for a star player? Like, I don't know. I broached the topic on my podcast like a couple of weeks ago. It's like, hey, the Angels Angels are selling. If Otani's on the market, like in a couple of years, like why not give up one of the three of Lawler, Drew Jones, or Corbin Carroll, plus a Josh Rojas and maybe an Alec Thomas or something, and then maybe another 15th prospect like why shouldn't the d-backs trade one of the three top guys and still keep a drew jones and jordan lawler and send away a corbin carroll in a mix of other packages for shohei otani yeah my thought process is depth will always work itself out and so whether it's injuries whether it's ineffectiveness whether it's the the ability to go out and trade for an impact bat an impact arm whatever it may be uh, you'll find a way and somebody will kind of naturally settle uh, without playing time. I'm going to be really curious to see how the rest of this season shakes out because my thought process is Carol and Thomas pretty much can't come out of the lineup. You have to leave them in every day. And so you've got one outfield spot to divide around like four guys. And, you know, this is, you're doing this, you, you'll do this next year. And then eventually you're going to add Drew Jones to this. And so, like you said, it's, it's almost inevitable. A guy's going to get moved or two guys will get moved. I always lean towards keeping one more guy than you think you need okay. simply because of injury and th- things like that. But I think it's almost a certainty. Some outfielder is getting moved out of here. Well, you say Thomas and Corbin Carroll, the guys who should be the mainstays in the outfield. But I got to ask because this guy, Jake McCarthy, I kind of want to move the conversation to him because this was a first round pick back in like 2018. I got to say, like coming into the season, like he was not on my radar. Like Jake McCarthy, I just considered like a fourth, fifth outfielder, a guy who's going to be like a quad A player, just get called up from AAA to the major league level throughout the system, just kind of go up and down. And when the D-backs need a left-handed bat with a little bit of speed, they call him up and bring him in as a platoon guy. But the way he's played in the second half of the season and his numbers overall in the year, like it's got me questioning, like should this guy come into camp next year and really battle for one of those starting spots in the outfield? And it's like, Alec Thomas, he's elite defensively in center field, one of the best defensive center fielders I've ever seen. But if he doesn't pick it up with his bat, like could he not lose his job or at least his starting job to a guy like Jake McCarthy? And then you have Corbin Carroll already in the outfield as well. Now it's like, all right, maybe it's Thomas or Varsho for that third outfield spot. Yeah, Jake McCarthy's a guy, when you look at, I mean, it's a, it's 70 games. So it's, you know, it's a decent sample. Uh, you know, 288, 348, 458. He's hitting a above where he historically has hit in the minor leagues. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of going back, most of his home runs, he's pulling the home runs. You're fine with that. Uh, the thing that I've noticed that's different last year to this year is he's much better on breaking pitches. So last year, I, th- I think his batting average on breaking pitches was like 130. And this year it's, what is it? It's like 324. So he's significantly improved. And that's a jump that we don't typically project a prospect to make. Something that big. And he always had a below average hit tool um, from from the prospect apparatus from us. And a lot of that was tied to his performance against breaking and off-speed pitches. And off-speed, he's gotten better. But breaking pitches specifically, he's significantly improved. And I think it's a big enough sample size where we can kind of say, like, no, this is who he is now. He is just a better player against sliders and against curveballs than he has been in the past. And so... Yeah, he's probably going to compete for the job. Uh, Defensively, I think he's fine. I think you would probably leave him in 
in left, and you would probably, you know, Carroll would be in center if Thomas didn't start, or Carroll would be in right and, and Thomas would be in center if he did. But it's a good problem to have. And then what does Dalton Varsho do? Yeah, that's that's a big thing. It's like, how much do you did you like Dalton Varsho as like a pure catcher coming up? Because maybe you just platoon him a little bit more with Carson Kelly. And it's really like, okay, if there's a lefty on the mound, then Carson Kelly's catching. If there's a righty on the mound, you just put Dalton Varsho as the catcher because you're just so loaded, like in the outfield with Jake McCarthy. It's like the DH is going to help a little bit with that. But still, you have so many outfielders. It's like, I still want Stone Garrett in my lineup as well. So how did you feel about Dalton Varsho? And if he had to move into being a catcher a little bit more, how do you feel about that for the D-backs? So offensively, I think he's going to back up a bit when he catches. I just I seem to have noticed he does better offensively when he's in the field versus catching. Uh, part of that just kind of kind of comes down to how much energy it takes to be a catcher, and that's yeah. why catching offense in general is lower than usual. I think that having him as your second catcher and your fourth outfielder is a very valuable role. You can get him, you know, a good probably three starts a week in that role. Get him some other appearances to pinch hit. I could see a scenario where in games, you know, you pinch hit for an out Thomas and then Dalton Varsho stays in the game and plays right or plays center once Thomas has been pinch hit for. I can see that role for him as well. Um, I do think you lose a little bit, like I said, offensively when you have him catch, but he can do enough stuff. You have the DH spot. You don't have both of your big mashing first baseman yet because you've got Christian Walker. But you don't have Ivan Melendez up yet. So you've got some DH spots you can put him in. I think you can get enough use out of them. Okay. And like, if you had to just like, I guess rank the ceilings or like the confidence level in terms of the guys actually like hitting their peak in terms of Varsho, Thomas and Jake McCarthy, like how would you rank those three in terms of your confidence meter? Because I don't know, Varsho's had the most major league playing time. He's, seen the biggest growth from year to year but he hasn't been phenomenal yet jake mccarthy i didn't think that you know the, the sample size is 70 games but it, what he's done so far he, is making me have a lot of hope for the potential of his future and then alec thomas isn't quite put together at the plate yet but defensively like he could be a platinum glove kind of person center fielder wise so how do you rank these three in terms of confidence and hitting their ceiling i think it's actually probably as of now it's probably the order you gave it's probably um it's probably varsha mccarthy Thomas simply because we, you know, McCarthy made such a significant improvement that even if that regresses a bit, you know, and kind of normalizes, it's still going to be significantly better than where he was. Um, the only caveat there is, does that change next year? Like I said, I think 70 games in is enough for that to, to hold. I don't know that for a fact, but I feel like McCarthy and Varsho, uh, we know a lot more about who they are, and I feel a lot more confident about their projections than Thomas. Thomas has probably one of the higher ceilings if he can get the offensive side together. Like you mentioned, he's not quite producing there yet. Um, and that's something we've always known that that wasn't necessarily his strength. Um, I think that his his hit tool is above his power tool, but I'm not sure how long it's going to take for it to come in. And a 297 on base is not going to be good enough on this team when you have prospects like a Drew Jones coming up behind you. So 
I think Thomas could be the better one, but I think he has the longest way to get there and he has the less, the least confidence in getting there because he has such a long journey. That's interesting. Are you worried about Tom? Like how much of a concern was his offensive profile for you? Like, do you think, you know, worst case scenario, do you think he's just like the Nick Ahmed of center fielders for the, the D-backs team? Like, I don't want that, you know, personally. Yeah. Um. No, no, it's, I'm not super concerned about the offense. I mean, Triple okay. A last year, he hit 369, 434, 658. It was a 20 game sample. So there could be some small sample size there, but for the most part, uh, I feel like the tools are there. It's just he's always been a little bit of a slow starter at a new level with the exception of that one cup of coffee last year. So um, give him some more time. If he, if you're at the All-Star break next year and he's still hitting like this, that's when I'll be concerned about is he going to get there? Is the bat going to come around? Yeah, because I want to give him opportunities. I want to give him the chance to, you know, rectify what he's doing and improve because he's still so young and it's not like this D-backs team is ready to win. But at the same time, they're so loaded in the outfield and all these other outfielders are just playing better than him. It's like, does he deserve to get opportunities when so other, so many other guys are eating? And that kind of leads me to my next point of Stone Garrett, who also very small sample size so far. He's only played six games. He's got like 23 at-bats. But so far on the MLB level, he's looked good. He came up as a profile as a power bat he was one of the league leaders in home runs in the minor league and so far in six games he's got uh two home runs he's got a few doubles like he's been an extra base hit guy on the mlb level but you know when you see some of those minor league players and they put up those big power numbers they're kind of inflated like a maybe like a seth beer like you don't actually think those guys offensively is going to translate to the mlb level but for a guy like stone garrett do you think what he did in the minor leagues could actually translate to what he can do for the d-backs so I think what we've seen in his big league sample so far, one, extremely small sample size, but he's mm. been feasting on fastballs. Most of the damage that he's done in, his, in this small sample has been off of fastballs. And so I'll have more confidence into what he is, is actually going to be once teams have made that first big adjustment to him. Uh, and the comparison I always like to give people on this is Austin Riley. When Austin Riley came up, he was just crushing bombs. And then the entire league learned you can throw Austin Riley a slider down and away and he will chase it all day long. And it took him a while to adjust. And so that's what I'm waiting for with Stone Garrett is this is his first call up. This is the first time we've really seen him at the big league level at all. And and so I want to see how they adjust to him and then how long does it take him to correct from that? Because right now he's been very dependent. His production has been very dependent on hitting fastballs and that is not sustainable at the big league level. Yeah, and does the fact that he's like an older guy getting called up, does any of that worry you? Because he's kind of had like a pretty weird career. Like he was one of the uh, pretty good minor leaguer when he first broke in and got drafted. And then he took like a little bit of hiatus. There was the COVID year. Like he literally went into real estate and was like a real estate agent for like during the COVID season. And then he came back and now he's like one of the league leaders in minor league home runs. And now he's playing on the MLB level. So he kind of had like an unorthodox path. So does anything that he's, you know, his path, his journey to the D-backs, his age, does any of that concern you into him and his future? The age does as far as the organization isn't nearly as invested in him as they are in some of these other players. And mm -hmm. you see it a lot in the NFL, I think is a big place where like first round quarterbacks versus later quarterbacks. But like what kind of leash does he have when he starts to struggle because they don't have the investment in him that they have in an Alec Thomas and a Corbin Carroll uh, in a Dalton Varsho for that matter. So uh, I am a little bit concerned about that. I do think that in a vacuum, if I'm picking from this outfield, he's probably the odd one out. Um, 
simply because of the fact that he's never really shown the quality contact tool up until this year. Um, tons of power, like 25 home runs last year, 28 this year in the minor leagues, but he struggled a little bit as far as quality of contact and too many strikeouts up until he put it together this season. So I think less of a track record, older prospect, less of an investment in him. He probably has a short leash. I don't care. I'm all in on the D-backs holding five outfielders next season and just figuring it out. Just throw Dalton Varsho at catcher if you have to, because when there's a lefty on the mound, I want Garrett either, you know, in my outfield Mm -hmm. or playing DH because I just need that guy because the way he swings that bat, it's like one though. It's just reminiscent of any big power bat back in the day because it looks like a freaking toothpick in his hands, like pretty much any legend back in the day. So I don't know if he's going to be an everyday major leaguer, but so far, what I've seen, I've been impressed with Stone Garrett, and I like his profile. And also, we just don't have enough brothers in Major League Baseball, so I would love to keep Stone Garrett for uh, on the MLB level for that reason as well. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. It's Friday, so go catch up on any pods you might have missed this week. Shout out to Lindsey Crosby for hopping on the podcast today. We're not done with him. On Monday's pod, we are power ranking the top five prospects in the d-backs organization after that corbin carroll promotion so be on the lookout for that thank you for making locked on diamondbacks your first listen every day we're on all your podcasting platforms and we're on youtube locked on diamondbacks there and also make your second listen of the day the ultimate pro football preview 2022 an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the nfl season the local team experts of the lockdown podcast network plus a betting angle from lee sterling of lockdown bets all combining into one ultimate nfl preview search for ultimate pro football preview 2022 on your odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts and that's it for this edition of the lockdown dimebacks podcast come back next week for more dimebacks news coverage and insight And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, deuces.